You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, you know, there wasn't as much drama this year as most years uh, in the past because of the early signing day. There weren't as many kids out there. There weren't many, as many spots at schools. Uh, so it was a little less drama than a normal signing day. But there were still some kids that we were waiting on until the end and feel really good about how we finished out. A lot of people say they have the best fans in the country. Uh, I think selling out a spring game in three days uh, kind of puts that argument to bed. I'm, I'm so excited uh, that the fan base is as fired up as it is. Um, I'm anxious for the fan base to get to know these new coaches. Uh, we have some unbelievable men on our coaching staff. Uh, I'm anxious for the fan base to watch the improvement that needs to happen. It's going to be a process for us, uh, but I think by the time spring ball uh, finishes up with the spring game, uh, we'll be quite a ways down that road. Um, can't believe there's going to be 85,000 for a spring game, uh, but that's Nebraska, so go Big Red. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as this is our post-signing day edition. We will hear from Robin Washett later uh, with some basketball talk, but we're going to talk a lot about this recruiting class, give our thoughts on everything, and uh, Nebraska and Scott Frost kind of get over Really a, a big final hurdle here. Uh, you, you look at um, the road that this team was on in December. Nebraska was ranked 94th in recruiting um, and n- now number 21 uh, when it's all said and done. Um, by far the best class in the Big Ten West. Nine of the 21 four-star players that went to the Big Ten West are going to Nebraska. Um, but, you know, it started, Nate, with the ability to close. And, and we've been around a lot of signing days, Nate Klaus, um, and typically when the guys from the deep south hold out and hold out and hold out, those press conferences and those SEC and ACC schools don't usually go Nebraska's way, uh, but a lot of them went their way on signing day. And I think getting Maurice Washington and Caleb Tanner, those were kind of the two cherries on top that really closed this thing out and kind of gave it the momentum it needed to push uh, nearly in the top 20. Yeah, it really was. I mean – Nebraska's ability to to have a you know a great ending to this class um, it was something that I think uh, a lot of people aren't used to. I think a lot of people kind of have PS uh, or PTSD uh, on signing day because of all the all the near losses and, and you know late switches that that we've kind of become accustomed to, to seeing over the years. So it was kind of refreshing to see this coaching staff be able to close and and really when you look at their their ratio that they closed on all the official visitors that they had uh, since really since the, the the two visit weekends in December and then uh, the three visit weekends in January it's unbelievable uh, the clip that that the staff was able to close on those guys at I mean it was um, I, I don't know if I've ever really seen that before to be perfectly honest with you so um, you know what what these guys accomplished in in such a short amount of time is really remarkable. You know, and I think it was interesting, though, Scott Frost said this is really only the start of things. Um, and, and and I think we all kind of predicted, Nate, he was going to be this type of coach that, yeah, signing day is an exciting day to welcome new players, but this is not really important after today, after Wednesday. And, and, and they're going to move forward to spring practice and, um, you know, move forward ahead and, and kind of build this culture of the program, uh, the way they want to build it. And, you know, it's a lot like places like Iowa and Wisconsin. Those places don't go out over the top with their signing days either. Uh, They don't get a lot of four-star guys, and they've continually beat Nebraska, who's had higher-ranked classes the last four or five years in a row over them. But Nebraska 0-6 in their last six against those, uh, you know, three two programs. And um, and I think that that's what's next now. It's Scott Frost has got to build the culture and the mindset to get this team ready uh, to, to win in the Big Ten more consistently. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of refreshing to hear him say, you know what, I'm – I'm I'm happy about this class, but I'm not here to win February. I'm here to win football games, and um, and I think that that kind of sends a message to you to your guys too, uh, whether it's the guys that are on campus or or the guys that just you know ink their their letters of intent that hey you know what um, today's an exciting day, but it's it's time to go to work. So um, yeah, I think that uh, you can. Uh, hang your hat on and, and kind of you know prop up and, and uh, you know kind of cheerlead your your recruiting rankings or what you accomplished 
uh, too long, and, and, and one day is is more than enough for Coach Frost. And uh, you know, I, I, overall, I, I think you have to be uh, pretty impressed with. Uh, with how well he's recruited, I think there were some questions about you know what kind of a recruiter he would be as a head coach and, and everything, uh, and I think he's exceeded those expectations. But one thing that really uh, was never really in question was uh, how much he was like uh, going to cheerlead and, and kind of you know brag on any type of rankings or anything like that. He I think it was pretty expected that he would downplay some of those rankings. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we talk. Uh, signing day, and Nebraska finishes number 21 nationally. Uh, they are number three in the Big Ten, only behind Ohio State and Penn State. Um, and, Nate, I want to get to Ohio State because, really, the difference of Nebraska being, I believe, 19 versus 21 in the rankings was a recruit that Ohio State was able to kind of take away from Nebraska. Uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, the talented edge rusher out of New Jersey, looked like he was in. Uh, from what we were able to confirm, the celebrating text me- or tweets that were out there by the staff uh, were in regards to Jean-Baptiste. Um, but at the end, um, Urban Meyer broke his commitment himself on Big Ten Network <laughs> yeah. in a very Urban Meyer fashion yeah. um, and, and kind of spoiled the milk for Nebraska fans. Yeah, that was. Um, there's always a good story or two that comes from each signing day, and this is, uh, you know, Jean Baptiste's uh, uh, story is is the this year's, and um, you know, I think Nebraska was the team to beat ever since he visited back on the weekend of January 12th, uh, and then you know, as time went along, uh, you know, some other programs came in the mix. Texas A&M kind of opened his mind a little bit more, and. Uh, uh, but he called Nebraska on, on signing day, the morning of, and said, you know what, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm signing. Uh, but there was a snowstorm in New Jersey that canceled school. So he, instead of signing at, at uh, 7 o'clock Central Time, he didn't sign until, I think, 11 or 12 Central Time. Uh, so there was a lot of time for him to kind of sit around. And uh, lo and behold, Urban Meyer gets in his ear and, uh, his recruiting coach, Greg Schiano, had been rumored to go, you know, to the Patriots to take their defensive coordinator position, um, and it came about that Urban told him that Schiano was not going anywhere, and uh, and basically convinced him that you know what, if you have any aspirations of playing in the NFL, there's no better place um, to come than here because we'll get you there, and uh, and he he bought it, um, and we'll see what happens with Schiano. But there's no doubt that was a tough blow for Nebraska on signing day. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. As, uh, we we kind of put a wrap. And Nate, uh, you look at this class now in Nebraska, what, I, what I'm probably the most excited about, and I think a lot of people on our website, Husker Online, are excited about, is the scholarship numbers. Um, they maximize the numbers. They signed – I mean, they're at, 80, they're at 89, according to our records here. Um, I don't know – you know, I know Big Ten rules state 88. Um, I, I've heard a lot of theories on how they're able to have 89. Maybe the Cole Conrad scholarship, um, you know, is not a necessarily guaranteed scholarship for next year. But obviously he probably would get one anyway. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting that they were able to get away with 89 because we've heard so much about this rule of 88. But, you know what, it's not my problem. they got 89 guys, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, you and I aren't getting paid to figure out how the numbers work. So, um, I'm kind of glad it's not my problem to be honest with you, but uh, at the same time, it is refreshing to see the program maximize the signing day and not have any holes, glaring holes uh, at this point in time. You know, obviously there's going to be some attrition. I mean, that that's completely expected after spring football, but um, but for to have a staff that's fully accounting for that and that that um, you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be going into fall camp with. Um, you know, under your your scholarship limit uh, by at least by not by a drastic amount. I think that's that is refreshing to see, and and I think this is going to become the new norm. Here is is every year. I think we're going to see Coach Frost and the staff maximize each signing day. I think last year, Nate, they were on eighty two or eighty three at signing day. Do you remember if it was eighty two or eighty three? They- <laughs> I, they they was for they were for sure two under and, and I think you're right I think it may have been three. So you under. think about that six or seven more players on scholarship on this roster, which is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I mean that is a huge deal uh, in the grand scheme of things for the development of your players and you want to see walk-ons get scholarships, uh, no doubt. But I don't think you need to hand out eight a year like we saw last year. And um, this was supposed to be a small class for Nebraska. 
they were able to take 24, and that's not counting Breon Dixon. That's not counting Noah Vedrill. Um, I wrote this this week. It was like Nebraska was an NFL team that found creative ways around the salary cap, and they were able to really maximize the numbers. And you bring in walk-ons as well, um, they're going to add in you know, nearly 50 faces to this roster in the course of a season. And we're going to talk about that all throughout this show. Uh, we're going to talk offense. We're going to talk defensive recruits. And then we're going to close the show with our thoughts on the direction of the walk-on program. So that is all next on this post-signing day edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, it's been a difficult couple of months. It's been exhausting for, for me, for the coaching staff. Um, we were basically doing two jobs for a while. Uh, I really like the early signing period. I, th- I think it helps alleviate a lot of the strain of, of February and a lot of the drama in February. Uh, but it's tough on a coaching staff that's transitioning from one spot to another. I think our guys handled it great. Uh, we tried to make every decision based on what the right thing was to do and going back to help uh, the, the young men at UCF try to win a bowl game was the right thing to do. And it was hard work for us, but it was really rewarding when it worked out the way it did. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost just recapping what the last 60-plus days have been like for him and his coaching staff, not only signing nearly a top-20 recruiting class, beating Auburn in the in the Peach Bowl to go 13-0 at UCF, um, and, and now transitioning into what is winter conditioning and spring football. Uh, this segment here of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln. It's going to be a busy, busy college basketball weekend. You've got Nebraska Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock. Um, so get on in at Tanner's. Uh, it would be a great place to watch the game, have some wings, and uh, enjoy the college basketball action here over the weekend at any one of our seven locations. Well, uh, Nate, let's talk offensive recruits. I want to you know, use this segment here as we uh, look at this class on paper offensively. And I think the number one trend to me when you break it down is just the number of skill they're adding. Um, right now, you've got six freshmen coming in um, that fit that that uh, category of um, receiver, running back, and then you add two more JUCOs um, into that equation, uh, actually three more JUCOs in that equation as well. So, you know, you're, you're adding nine running backs and receivers to this roster. Um, when you break it down like that, of the 18 scholarship players, nine of them will be newcomers. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible um, when you when you look when you kind of put it in that context. Uh, as, as many numbers as they're bringing in, and um, you know, and, and we knew that they wanted to bring in speed because of of the the style of offense that they run. Uh, but the the glaring hole when they took over was at you know offensively was at the wide receiver position. So uh, they had to get very aggressive there, and 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 for the most part, I feel like they filled uh, you know their needs there very very well uh, and closed strong on some guys down the stretch. So. Uh, Adding a lot of speed, a lot of playmakers, um, and, and I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to see how creative they get with some of these guys because Coach Frost talked a lot about creating mismatches yesterday at the press conference, and and I think for the most part, um, all these guys kind of do that. They they are a mismatch with their size or a mismatch with the speed that they bring to the table. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we look at this offensive class, and I think the running back upgrades. Let's start there. I mean, you have Miles Jones, um, who could also be a receiver, uh, but you get Maurice Washington, who I think this staff regards as a top five running back in the country. If he um, can get here and academically get things squared away, I know at Rivals, some of our people, Nate, had different opinions, but I know you and I both very high on Maurice Washington. And then Greg Bell, the number one Juco guy in the country. I mean, that that group on paper, um, there can't be a better running back class, in my opinion, in the Big Ten. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, it really, with Greg Bell, I mean, both these guys, they're home run hitters. I, I think that they're both really well-rounded running backs. They can do a little bit of everything for you. And they're not one-trick ponies. They can they can run inside. They can run outside. Uh, you know, they've got the speed to get to the edge. And and I think that they're both they both have the ability to be utilized in the passing game too, which is a big deal uh, in this offense. And to me, like you said, uh, Maurice Washington, a lot of different. 
different differing opinions uh, from people out there, but I feel like as long as this kid gets gets on campus, he's got a he's got the potential to be pretty darn special. And with Greg Bell, uh, who knows what's going to happen because he's already on campus, and and I guarantee you that he's gonna he's gonna have an opportunity to to get the large majority of of the carries next fall, uh, assuming that. You know, assuming that that uh, you know that he learns the system and whatnot, but and kind of you know acclimates to the to the program and, and to the schemes and, and everything. But to, potentially two difference makers there, and then Miles Jones, kind of a jack of all trades, kind of a Otis Anderson is the comparison that Scott Frost used, um, the the talented player that they had at, at Central Florida, and he's just a speed merchant. He's a guy that could really change the game with his speed. So very exciting players. I'm a big Greg Bell guy. There's a bus, and I'm driving it. So <laughs> I'm pretty excited about uh, watching Greg Bell this spring. Um, you know, quarterback, Nate, that's something we're going to talk about a lot. Um, three scholarship guys on the roster. Um, obviously, Andrew Bunch, a walk-on, and then Noah Vedrill, um, who's not eligible this year. So really, they have five. Uh, but I think everyone's going to zone in on those three for the spring. They chose not to go with Matthew Tago, or Matthew Tago chose not to go here, however you want to spin it, um, you know, how that played out. Um, but so they go into the spring with three guys on scholarship eligible to play this season. Um, and you know, I, I think the question is, can these guys do it? Can they fit this offense? And then that's going to leave things open um, if they can't. Maybe for a grad transfer like a Joe Burrow. I mean, that's that's just a thing that you have to put out there. If, if he doesn't win the job at Ohio State, they have a spot potentially for him. Uh, that's a long ways down the road. But you, you have to think Adrian Martinez is going to get every opportunity this spring. Yeah, and I think the the precedent's already been set there by Coach Frost. That's exactly what he did with McKenzie Milton. He, when he was hired at Central Florida, the, one of the first calls that he made was was to McKenzie Milton and, and to offer him at, at UCF, and kind of get his hand picked guy. And as soon as McKenzie got on campus, he was he was the guy. He rolled him out there. They kind of you know took their fair share of lumps that first year, but. We all saw what happened in year two. So he's not afraid to roll with a true freshman. And and Adrian Martinez is certainly his hand-picked guy in this class. He was the first offer they made literally hours after news had become official of him accepting the job. So, um, you know, he comes in here with a great opportunity to play as a true freshman, and, and I would not bet against that happening. Um, I, I think that there's very real possibility that, that we'll see a lot of Adrian Martinez next year. And just one in-state guy in this class, Nate, on scholarship, Cameron Juergens, um, the tight end out of Beatrice, suffered a bad leg injury that he's going to recover from, but – um, it will be interesting to see the role they develop for Cam Jurgens um, and, and kind of what they do with that tight end position in general because Mike Riley recruited the tight end position completely different than what we're going to see, how Scott Frost is going to use it. And I think there's some real question. Does a Matt Snyder, does a Jack Stahl, does a Kurt Raftall, does some of these guys fit the position and the direction it's going to go going forward? Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that position shakes out. And you've got a lot of young players on the roster there. And so, you know, I think this spring is going to be important for for those guys to kind of separate themselves from the pack because for the most part, the large majority of those players are, are fairly unproven. So... Uh, who's going to step up? How is the staff going to utilize their talents? You know, both Austin Allen and Kurt Raftall are are you know really tall, uh, you know, big targets, and then you know you got a couple other guys that that are completely different, you know, body types. They're more of H backs almost. So, um, yeah, I think there's obviously going to be some guys that that fit this new scheme better than others. And then lastly, offensive line. They just took two, and I know. The, just if you're just a casual fan that looks at it from the 10,000 feet perspective, you're like, why just two offensive linemen? The offensive line stunk last year. Well, you, you know, that's one of those positions that you can't just take a bunch of guys to take a bunch of guys. They already have now 16 on scholarship. They technically only lost two, right? I mean, they lost um, uh, David Neville and then Nick Gates. So they're mm-hmm. losing two and they're replacing it with two. They get one tackle. Will Farniak is a guard. Will Canty, a tackle. Um, but next year they'll lose three. And there's a pretty good chance they'll take at least four next year in this class. But offensive line, 
you know, just wasn't as big of a need as far as what they were losing to fill in. Yeah, and you know, I think they would have liked to have been able to add another offensive tackle to the roster, but you you have to be careful not to just take a guy for the sake of taking him. You you want to make sure that you're bringing the right guy into the program. Obviously, someone that has the the athletic ability to play at a very high level, the level that you're trying to get to, and also a guy that that fits the culture and it kind of fits the type of character that you're wanting to have on the team and. Um, and if you're not able to do that, I think it's better to, to kind of cut your losses at that position and try to get someone else at another spot to do it. And, and I think that we'll see a heavy, a heavy presence of JUCO recruiting for, for at least a couple offensive tackles from that, from that market uh, for next year's class. And, and then, of course, probably a couple high school guys, too. Well, we're going to continue our discussion of this recruiting class, but uh, we're going to stop talking football just for a bit here as Robin Washett's fresh off the road from Minneapolis. He was with the Nebraska basketball team at Minnesota. He'll give us his thoughts from that win and get you ready for Saturday's game in Lincoln against Rutgers. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, now as we shift our conversation over to Nebraska basketball. And uh, it's been a while since on our signing day show here on the Husker Online Show, we've uh, had time or the need to talk Nebraska basketball, but that's where things are at right now with this program, 18-8, and 9-4, and four, in sole possession of fourth place. Really a two-game lead over Michigan at this point because they own the tiebreaker. Uh, fresh off of victory on the road at Minnesota. It was their fourth road victory of the season in conference play. We bring in Robin Washett today over the phone as he was in Minneapolis with the Huskers. And Robin, this team will be home uh, for the first time in two weeks Saturday against Rutgers. But first of all, just your thoughts on that win at Minnesota, knowing that there was that long layoff of eight days. And uh, I think there was a lot of question on how that team was going to respond out there. Yeah, that was the big issue facing that team was, you know, they had gone on that stretch, obviously, of four games in eight days, and it kind of caught fire, you know, going three and one during that stretch. And then all of a sudden, you have to take over a week off uh, to kind of sit around and basically just hear about how good you are. And so there was some real concern, at least um, on my part, and I'm sure other people, was how this team was going to respond to, um, you know, handling that kind of success and being in the national conversation for a potential NCAA tournament. And while things, you know, right off the bat didn't start off so hot with the 7-0 run by Minnesota, uh, they quickly got their act together and and responded with a 15-5 run. And then they didn't trail the rest of the game, essentially for the final 36 minutes. And um, once again, they were able to find a way to win in a difficult situation when Minnesota was able to come back tied the game up at 62-62, it looked like you know maybe this was finally the point where Nebraska's luck was going to run out. But uh, all they did was come right back with an 8-0 run, um, aided by a Richard Pitino technical foul, um, and basically kind of held the Gophers at arm's reach the rest of the way. And so that's the sign of a team. Like, if you want to consider yourself an NCAA tournament contender, uh, that's a game you have to win. And then for them to win it, in that fashion, you know, where essentially they were in control uh, throughout, um, that that definitely makes you feel even better uh, about where this team is right now. And uh, you look over the next, you know, five games or so, there's still a lot of work to be done. But with every win they get, like they got um, on Tuesday night, uh, that's further adding to the resume and further making you know more and more people believe that this team is for real. Yeah, and Robin, uh, as we talk Nebraska basketball here with Robin Washett. Uh, they have Rutgers now coming in Saturday. They're going to be huge favorites. There's going to be over 15,000 in that place for Legends Day uh, in Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how this team is received because just my experience with Nebraska athletics, when you're hot, I mean, everybody's going to come out. I mean, it's, it's going to be a great atmosphere, and um, I expect this team – to win really all the home games. I mean, I, I think down the stretch, obviously Maryland and Indiana have talented players. Penn State's going to be a very tough game, but um, I would be almost disappointed right now if they can't go 4-0 at home just the way they've been playing. Yeah, I mean, they should be favored in every home game from here on out. And then their only road game left on the schedule is at Illinois, who's going through plenty of issues on their own. So, um, I mean, the table is that for Nebraska to potentially win out. 
And if they do that, uh, in my mind, it's going to be extremely difficult for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee to leave out a 23-win Big Ten team who's going to have you know upwards around 14 conference wins um, to keep them out of the the, turn, the NCAA tournament, regardless of what happens in Madison Square Garden at the conference tournament. So, um, I mean, that's that's certainly within the realm of possibility. Now, again, they have to continue to take care of business, and there's been plenty of times during this recent hot streak where they've won six of their last seven, where they've come awful close to blowing it. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, you know, blowing that 15-point lead against Minnesota. Uh, you know, Eakin won out against Rutgers, barely beating Illinois, and so. You know, yes, they should be favored, but this this record that they've achieved so far hasn't been easy. You know, nothing ever comes easy for Nebraska, and so um, you know you you got to take being favored with a grain of salt. And you, I mean, it's the old cliche, uh, one game at a time. But that couldn't hold more true for what Nebraska is facing right now. Literally, the biggest game on the schedule is the next game on the schedule because uh, if they suffer one setback it will be detrimental to their NCAA tournament hopes. Um, and basically every game they lose in the regular season, they're going to have to make up for in the Big Ten tournament. And so um, every home game is critical. That Illinois game, if they can get to five conference road games or road wins, uh, I think that would be their most conference road wins since you know the 70s, I think I saw. So um, kind of some uncharted territory for this program. Um, but you know, if you take care of business and do what you're supposed to do, I mean, the, the, the path is leading them right to the NCAA tournament, but the margin for error is so slim that uh, they can't take anything for granted at this point. Yeah, and Robin, you were on a conference call um, with Bruce Rasmussen, the, uh, com- uh, the NCAA tournament chairman director, also the athletic director at Creighton. Uh, so so many people around here obviously know the name, uh, but you know, there, there's questions about RPI. I think we put so much stock. I find myself checking – the RPI sites after every night just to see if Nebraska moves up at all. And they've kind of just been gridlocked at 55, 56, 57. Um, you know, they're having a hard time getting into the 40s. Um, you know, and, and, and you wonder where's that RPI going to have to be? Are, um, are things like the eyeball test going to matter as well? Or just reputation of the Big Ten? Because uh, I think there's really only been one time ever where the Big Ten has not gotten. Um, you know, five. T- if a team, I think, if a team has won four Big Ten conference road games, uh, they've yeah. been a- they've been able to get in the tournament every time, but one time in history. Yeah, and so I mean, the precedent is set that you know, regardless of the narrative of how bad people think the Big Ten is, uh, I think it's a lot better than people get it credit for. And I think this selection committee, um, which, to as Bruce Rasmussen, you know, said the other day. Uh, they've made it a point to try and get out and see games in person and not just rely on RPI numbers or strength of schedule numbers or any of those analytics that you can pull up on a computer screen because they know there's a lot more to defining what an NCAA tournament team is than just, you know, some, uh, you know, a couple numbers. So uh, there's going to be a lot of factors involved. Obviously, you know, RPI is a big one, um, but some of the interesting things that they're doing this year that they haven't done in previous years is they're breaking up schedules into four quadrants and they vary like so a quadrant one i mean those are your best wins or games played they vary where you play them so home games i think it's one through teams that are one through 30 in the rpi if you beat them at home that's a, a quadrant one victory but if you play them at a neutral site it goes you know one to 50 or something like that and then um, if you beat them on the road it goes 1 to 75 and so right now as it stands Nebraska does not have a quadrant one victory and those are extremely valuable when kind of assessing a tournament resume but uh, you know Michigan was right on the cusp there uh, they've kind of fallen off but Northwestern who just beat Michigan is now right on the cusp I think they're at 82 right now so if somehow Northwestern were to get into that top 75 that would give Nebraska a quadrant one road victory. And I mean, that, that, that could be a big help too. So it's not just what Nebraska does that is going to define their tournament hopes. It's also what happens around them. What happens to those teams that, you know, they're going to be compared against for those at large bids. You know, what happens with Northwestern? What happens with Michigan? What happens with Penn State, who they still have to play again? Um, so, I mean, there's still so many unknowns that, you know, we asked, Rasmussen straight up, you know, what does he think about Nebraska? He said, I'm a big fan of Tim Miles. Nebraska is certainly in the conversation right now, 
but there's just too much uh, left to play out. There's too much season left. And so that's kind of, you know, that's where the tournament uh, selection committee stands right now is Nebraska is just too much of an unknown right now to make a concrete statement on where their hopes lie. Um, and so that kind of goes back to the point we were talking about earlier is Nebraska just needs to do what it's supposed to do. Uh, if, if they just continue to handle their own business, they are going to be in a pretty darn good spot uh, come March. And so, you know, all these other factors, we can talk to them ad nauseum. Uh, but what it comes down to is if Nebraska just takes care of its own business and worries about itself, uh, they are going to be in a very, very good spot come Selection Sunday. Well, it's going to be a fun, fun month here uh, watching this play out as Robin will keep you up to date. And, and, you know, we've gone all in as well. Robin's been on the road at Wisconsin, at Minnesota. He's going to go out to Illinois. We're going to be in New York um, as well for the Big Ten tournament. So uh, make sure you log on as uh, nobody covers Nebraska basketball more in-depth than Robin Washett. All right, when we come back, um, we are going to shift the conversation back over to recruiting as we continue our 2018 class breakdowns. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, you know, I think watching from afar, Nebraska tried to transition to a 3-4 type scheme last year. Uh, I'm not sure all the personnel really fit or didn't have time to develop into a fit for that scheme. We need outside pass rushers. Caleb's a guy that can rush the passer from the outside, but he's also athletic enough to drop into space and make plays in space. Um, We had a kid like that in Shaquem Griffin uh, where we just coached, and we're looking forward to having that kind of dynamic player here, and I, I hope we got it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost. Uh, talking about just the defensive class he signed, highlighted by the late commitment and signee of signing of Caleb Tanner out of Georgia Nate. And uh, you look at kind of what they did um, in this class. Uh, Mike Riley only left a, a couple of guys back um, on the defensive side of the ball for them um, in defensive lineman Tate Wildeman and then outside linebacker David Alston. The rest, the staff had to do all on their own. Uh, they blended in a good mix of junior college players. Um, but let's first start with kind of the highlight of signing day for Nebraska in a lot of ways, getting Caleb Tanner to officially pick the Huskers. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of the hat ceremony, uh, but I'm a, I'm becoming a get-off-your-lawn kind of recruiting guy now and uh, don't like the tossing of the hats and that stuff. But it was cool um, that you know just to watch it all play out because I, I don't think a lot of people nationally saw this coming. No, especially no one saw it coming. You know, last week or even late last week, it was it was completely under the radar. Yet, so as time went along, you know, I think word started getting out that that uh, this was a very real possibility and likely to happen. But a week ago, at this time, nobody. Nobody thought this was going to I mean, to I would say Saturday was when it first got out, right? Yeah, I mean that's when yeah, that's when news started getting out. He he actually committed to Nebraska on Friday. Um and you know, word started trickling out here and there um you know about it, but and, and the the crazy thing about it is even this time a week ago, I don't think Nebraska thought that they were going to get him. And and that's that's what really took them by surprise when he called on Friday and said that he was coming. Uh, they had to rearrange a few things and, and, and absolutely accept a commitment from a guy like him because as a pass rusher, they really don't have a proven guy on the roster. They haven't had one since Randy Gregory, if you're, if you're going to be real about it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's and really, when you put it in that context, that's it's pretty sad uh, that they've it, it's been that long since Nebraska's had a true pass rush a threat. And and but this is what Caleb Tanner is. He he's a guy uh, that I think is has got a chance to to do some pretty special things here, especially when you you hear Coach Frost talk about you know how they'd like to use him and, and talk about how he, he'd be able to play a role like what everyone saw Shaquem Griffin do at, at Central Florida so uh, he's got that type of ability and, and to to really be able to, to pull a former Georgia commit out of the middle of SEC country away from several several other SEC teams it just doesn't happen and so you have to really tip your head hat to the the job that uh, Sean Becton did Javon DeWitt did with him and, and of course coach Frost was involved uh, heavily here as well true or false on this Nate I see three immediate day one impact guys in this recruiting class on defense right now Caleb Tanner 
Will Honus at middle linebacker and Cam Jones at safety. Am I missing anyone else? Or are those the three you would also agree with that probably have the best chance of being day one guys? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, and I wouldn't count out Deontay Williams. Uh, oh, Deon- yeah, what am I saying? Deontay Williams should be in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, really any Juco guy in this class, I think has got a chance to be a day one contributor. Um, but as far as freshmen go on the defensive side of the football, I think Caleb Tanner's got an opportunity there uh, because of their lack of a, of a true pass rusher on the, on the team. And then Cam Jones, to me, you know, it might be the steal of, in this class. I, I think that uh, you know, three or four years down the road from now we might be looking back at this class and and saying wow how how did you know how did the Nebraska end up getting him in, in just two months time uh, because I think he's a pretty special player uh, really special and I think uh, he's got an opportunity to make a, a huge impact very early in his career yeah you look at what they were able to do Nate um, as far as numbers um, they added four high school defensive backs and one junior college so once again, you play the numbers game with that. Five of their 14 DBs will be newcomers on this roster um, going into next season. Yeah, going to be a very young group. They, they added some nice depth there. Uh, they added a lot of length. I mean, you look at the size of these guys, and they're all you know well over six feet tall. There's not a, there's, I don't think there's a single guy that's under six foot tall. Um, and, and some of the corners are 6'2", 6'3". So it's going to be interesting to see how, how those guys kind of pan out there. Obviously, the taller and longer they are at, at the cornerback position, um, you know, I think sometimes you, you sacrifice a little bit of uh, uh, fluidity there. Uh, you can be you know, maybe not, not quite as um, technically sound, but at the same time, you know, with, with that length, you don't always have to be uh, as fast or as, as uh, you know, technically sound. So, uh, but the, these guys are, for the most part, players that they had on campus at Central Florida or that they were heavily involved in but couldn't really get while they were at Central Florida. Uh, an impressive group considering that none of – there were zero defensive backs committed to Nebraska when they took over. And you look at Braxton Clark, Cameron Taylor, and Deontay Williams, the three guys that we have listed as corners in this class, and you look at when Nebraska returns, there's no question that all three of those guys are going to have a great chance to get on the field based on what returns. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Eric Lee would probably be your projected starters. Maybe DiCaprio Boodle would be in that conversation, obviously, with Eric Lee. Um, but any one of these newcomers, I'd honestly today be surprised if Deontay Williams is not a starter next year. And I think those freshmen are going to have a great chance to play too. Yeah, I think that a lot of those, a lot of the defensive backs are going to have an opportunity to play. Um, and, and of course, that's all predicated on how spring ball goes uh, because we don't know. We don't know if if these guys, the guys on the roster, are gonna um, how how soon they're gonna pick up on things, how well you know their their style and their body types really fit what what the defensive coordinator Eric Chenander wants to do, what Travis Fisher likes to have at the spot. So there's a lot of variables here, but um, I think bottom line is that uh, Coach Frost is not afraid to play true freshmen, and and that these guys were targeted because they thought that they'd have an opportunity to to come in and and contribute early on. And Nate, another group that didn't get a lot of praise, but I I think it is one of the more solid groups of this class, is the D-line group. Tate Wildeman, Casey Rogers, that on paper to me, those are just two solid 3-4 type defensive ends. Yeah, and they're throwback Nebraska type of players, in my opinion. They they are high energy, high motor guys. They're they're tough guys, um, and I think that that both of these both of these players are are the type of guys that um, you're going to have to drag off the football field uh, to get them off there. I mean, it, they're they'll play through in, injury. They'll they'll I mean they're they're going to give you every ounce that they have and and kind of bring that tough guy mentality uh, to that defensive line and. Uh, and I love that about these two players. I, I think that they have both have a chance to be pretty darn good, uh, and they they're like they're perfect. I think for this three four defense with what they want at that defensive end spot. And um, you know, I'm really excited to see how things play out with these two down the road. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we kind of put a wrap on uh, the defensive class. And there there was one other holdover from that Mike Riley group um, of the guys that stayed committed and. 
he was ranked Nate the number one player in Minnesota, David Alston. Um, you know, and he just didn't get a lot of attention because he recruited, he committed during a weird time. I mean, it was almost yeah. kind of like when Mike Riley was going to get fired, he committed, and then he stuck with his pledge. Um, but he could be kind of an under the radar guy in this group um, with his length and size and. You know, it was clear that this staff liked him and, and wanted to keep him on board. Yeah, and I think to me, David Olson is might be the sleeper of the class, um, and he's definitely kind of the forgotten recruit of the class because a he is kind of a quiet guy. He's not really on social media. He doesn't really do interviews. Um, you know, he's just kind of kind of under the radar. Uh, but he's extremely talented, six five, two hundred twenty five pound kid uh, that is explosive, runs very well, and extremely smart you know I think that's the thing that, that really stands out to me you know especially when you watch his film you see him you see him diagnose plays and and uh, you know uh, he kind of sees things happen very well he sees the you know offensive line and setting up a screen and, and sniffs it out I mean he had four interceptions from his defensive end slash outside linebacker role uh, as a senior returned one for a touchdown I mean this is a kid that that is um, I think needs probably a redshirt year to develop physically, uh, but could end up being pretty darn special down the road. Well, uh, lots to get excited about as we watch this defensive class come together now over the next few months with spring practice starting. But uh, when we come back, we wanted to spend some time uh, to close the show about the walk-on group. This is almost kind of the added bonus to the class. Nebraska um, will bring in at least 21 new walk-ons that have been at least confirmed by us at Husker Online, and that's as big of a group as we've ever seen probably since the Solich era. It's bigger than Bo Pelini's first group that he brought in in 08. That was a huge group. So lots to discuss about the future direction of the walk-on program under Scott Frost. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. No, I think we wanted to introduce more this year just to get the ball rolling. I uh, want to make sure we have the right guys in the program, the right walk-ons in the program as well, and guys that we feel like can come in here and get in Zach Duvall's program and get with our coaches and develop into players and eventually be on the field and help this football team. Uh, that's what's happened at Nebraska in the past, and I'd like to see it happen again. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment here of this post-signing day special. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and that was head coach Scott Frost discussing just really the future direction of the walk-on program. Nebraska is going to take at least 21 walk-ons that we know of right now on this roster. And that's as big of a group as we've seen since the Solich era. Um, I know Bo Pelini's very, very first year, they went huge as well, close to 20 guys. Uh, but as far as my records can show from what was announced at least in 08, this was bigger than that 08 group, which was kind of the same deal. They were trying to state a message that things are going to be different, kind of leaving the Bill Callahan era now back to the Pelini era, which had the Osborne ties. Same deal going on here. Mike Riley era over. You're going kind of back to an Osborne guy. and You kind of send the message around the state that you are going after some of the best in the state. And for the first time, Scott Frost and Nate address roster size. And Mike Riley carried anywhere from 125 to 135 um, on the on the roster. Um, and, and Scott Frost said ideally his roster size would be around 150, um, you know, which – Give or take, you know, obviously that's 15 to 20 more players uh, that he wants to add. But I think that's that's the difference between being able to take just maybe eight to 10 walk-ons to 15, 16 a year. And, and that's kind of what they want to do. Yeah, and, it, and really, there's no better time to capitalize on it than right now. I mean, everyone's fired up, is excited about Coach Frost being back in Nebraska. There's a buzz, uh, you know, across the state, and so um, if you can capitalize on that by by getting some some really good in-state players to turn down other offers. Um, while also increasing your roster size. I mean, I think that's kind of a, a win-win there for you. Uh, but, uh, you know, really, I mean, from top to bottom, this group of players is is – uh, really impressive. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can. I don't think you can really nitpick on this. On this, uh, you know, out of the guys that are going to be walking on to Nebraska and, and kind of question, you know, any of these guys. I think they all they all belong. I think they're all good enough. Uh, and and to me, the the exciting thing is, is with a lot of these guys is kind of the the growth potential. What what can become once these guys get into the program and and strength and conditioning coach Zach Duvall gets a hold of them and um, you know who. 
who knows what's going to happen with a handful of these guys two or three years down the road after uh, after working out with Duvall. Yeah, you just kind of look up and down this group of guys. I mean, you got Bryson Cruel from North Platte, uh, leading receiver over the regular season in Class A at over a thousand yards receiving in nine games. Chris Cassidy, um, the best player on Lincoln Pius, and almost single-handedly played a role in handing Omaha North their only loss of the season. Jake Archer, Omaha Scut, he was uh, the best player on a team that finished second in Class B. I think Ryan Schomer, Nate, when you look at him, a defensive end from Norfolk, uh, as far as body types, there may not be very many kids in the state with the frame of Ryan Schomer. Yeah, I, th- I think that out of, it's, it's certainly out of this group, Schomer is probably the most impressive from just from a, a frame standpoint and a potential standpoint. I mean, that kid, he's a legit 6'5 with broad shoulders and, and the, the ability. I mean, who knows what, what could happen? Uh, like he, He's one of those guys I was talking about that just the growth potential there is, is off the charts. And, and uh, you factor that with the, the desire to to play at the program that that you love and and to be great and who knows what, what what's going to happen but I really impressed with Ryan Schomer um, I think that's that was a big addition there in this class well then AJ Forbes Bellevue West um, arguably one of the best lineman prospects in Class A this past year had been a four year starter for Mike Huffman in Class A which you just don't see very often you got Justin Holm a 6'6 receiver out of Lincoln Southwest that turned down an offer from North Dakota to walk on way back in June. And he's an early enrollee. He's here for spring practice. Wyatt Laiur from uh, O'Neill, um, one of the better players in Class C1 as a receiver, um, on, played a part in winning a title for them as a junior. Brody Belt, one of the best players from Millard West's program. Matt Masker, um, who broke all of Scott Frost's mm-hmm. quarterback records in eight, maybe the best quarterback um, in the state of Nebraska as far as prospects go and and was a guy that Iowa Western uh, really made a push for to get. Yeah, I think Matt Masker uh, to me it really is kind of intriguing uh, because I think he's got an opportunity to uh, you know to be in the mix. I mean, I think he's a good I think he's a good fit uh, for what what they want to do on this offense. Um, obviously, it's kind of a cool story too when you when you're talking about a kid who just broke the you know the head coach's all of his longstanding records uh, with with the career that he put together there at Kearney Catholic. Um, you know, and, and really, he he had opportunities to go elsewhere, and and like you said, especially uh, who knows what would have happened if he had gone to Iowa Western uh, with with the type of profile that program is, and, and the type of eyeballs eyeballs and, and coaches that that come through there. So um, that's another sneaky good pickup in this walk on class. As we continue our look at this walk-on group here for Nebraska, uh, after Matt Masker, you had Colton Feast, and we were with his coach, or one of his former coaches from UTAN um, at the recruiting event, and they just rave about this guy. He's going to be a great defensive lineman in the program, throwback, kind of a Jack Gangwish guy when I look at him. Uh, Joey Johnson from Gretna, a linebacker, um, 6'3", 230, another big frame guy. Anthony Banderas, you know the last name. He's the younger brother of Josh. Um, also a um, guy that could maybe win Class A shot and disc this year. He took second in disc, third in shot. Um, Nate, Isaiah Stalbert, another guy I want to mention with you uh, from Kearney, um, was maybe the best or one of the best players on that state runner-up team. Yeah, tr- tremendous athlete. Uh, you know, play on either side of the football. It could be a wide receiver or a DB. I think he's he's slated to come in and, and play at defensive back um, in this class, and and he's got great size. I mean, six one, two hundred pound kid. Uh, he's got good speed. Um, another really exciting prospect that. Uh, you know, has a good story, and also had an opportunities to to go play elsewhere and and have his have his uh, his you know tuition paid for somewhere else. So, um, but I mean, a sneaky good uh, pickup there uh, on a, from a very good team there at that Carney uh, that Carney team was really exciting this year. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we continue to look at the walk-ons. Corbin Frederick, um, uh, product of Mansfield, Texas, following up. Uh, one of his teammates, Cam Jones, right? Yep. Uh, so he'll come up here as a as a defensive back. Bennett Fulkers, uh, Nate. He was a late guy they took, but played in the blue gray All Star football game. Six three one eighty out of Gothenburg. I think runs a verified four five five four six forty. Lots of speed, size, a lot of things to intrigue you about Bennett Fulkers. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me. 
of a of a maybe a little bit of a, of a taller version of Connor Young. I mean, uh, he's he's really athletic. Has got got tremendous ability, um, and you know, probably a, a victim to being closer to to the that Western Nebraska. You know, maybe a you know Gothenburg's not really a haven for. Uh, you know, for college coaches to come through there. So I don't know if he was overlooked or what, but, um, you know, he's got, he's put up tremendous numbers uh, as a multi-sport guy um, and has this, the size to go along with it. So again, another, another really nice pickup. And you got Simon Odie from York, um, one of their best players on a state championship team. Uh, Lane McCollum who leaves the Air Force Academy. He'll come in as a walk-on from Norfolk, and he's a great player. Uh, they added a long snapper in Cade Mueller, uh, one of two long snappers in this class um, that Nebraska is bringing in with Cameron Piper. And, um, I, I forgot to mention Colin Sheffke as well from Lincoln Southwest. There's four Southwest guys. Uh, but you know, lastly, Nate, I want to hit on Moses Bryant. I think mm-hmm. that might have been, when you look at this walk-on class, you know, one of the better wins they've gotten because I, this guy's a three-star. He's a five-five three-star. He's ranked in the top five in the state. If his academics were in line, he's at Iowa or maybe somewhere else on full ride scholarship. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, Iowa checked in on him multiple, multiple with head coaches, with, with coordinators. Yeah, you you don't send Kirk Ferentz to to Elkhorn South. Um, you know, for for the heck of it. I mean, they were the, they were he was going there for for Moses Bryant, and they ha- had him on campus several times. So this is this is a big time pickup. Now he, he's got to obviously do some stuff to get qualified, but uh, I know Scott Frost and the staff they couldn't talk about him on signing day just because he's not yet been accepted into the university. Uh, and I think uh, in order to be um, talked about and recognized on that signing list, um, you have to go through some admissions. Correct. Yeah, that's part of the that's part of the equation uh, when you don't sign uh, an actual, you know, letter of intent guaranteeing you a scholarship. You have to have uh, already been accepted to the university, so that's part of it. Well, it's a it's a big class, twenty one walk ons, and and they will all be a part of this as well. A lot of these guys will play in the Shrine Bowl, and that that will be released. Uh, the roster uh, for that I think comes out. Uh, next week on Tuesday, the 13th of February. So uh, we'll get a better idea of those 21, how many uh, Husker fans will get a chance to go out and see play in the Shrine Bowl uh, when that takes place in June out in Kearney. But uh, that wraps it up here. Uh, another signing day in the books yep. for Husker Online 8. For me, this was my 19th signing day covering in the media. I know you've covered um, several in your time as well, and it never gets old, my friend. No, it's always, it's always a fun ride, always a lot of twists and turns, and, and this year was no exception. Well, there's going to be plenty to follow. Uh, we'll begin our in-state tour Monday, Husker basketball over the weekend. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 